0: Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a
1: podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans.
2: Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 153. We are your hosts. I'm Sarah.
1: I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. We're back, the three pack. <laughs> I know Did the last two back? events we've done, we've been Genless, And so it always, yeah. it yeah. feels wrong.
0: <laughs> I I'm not it's... there to give my acerbic commentary.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think okay. uh, it's reunited and it and feels it so, <laughs> so good.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice. So Jen, you just came from a bunch of finals. How do you feel?
0: <laughs> does that encapsulate it because now like I, it's relieving but now it's just the stress of like what are my final grades yeah and, like, and then now i have to like sign up for summer school and apply for summer school financial aid and then if i don't get the financial aid then i'm not gonna be going to summer school and i have to move out by june 30th and i have to find a new place and it's just like finals are over but now a new scrambling of things yeah. that i need to do has come about so i mean it's it's like nice to know that i don't have to worry about that but now it's just like here's another thing to worry about so just i'm trying to be i'm trying to be very zen about it and like very like i'll deal with it as as it comes i don't want to like panic
1: about it well, and so far, I think I'm doing okay. That's a very good approach because I think uh, I I tend to be overwhelmed trying to deal with too many things at once sometimes. So I'll have to take a page out of your playbook <laughs> and, and do oh, that.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the thing that lived in my brain rent-free this weekend was just annoying as AF. Um, but this weekend, Kristen and I went to an event called Festival of Words at Tia Tuchas. Was the organization throwing the event, right?
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. So Tia Tuchas is a nonprofit organization that was uh, started by... Now, I can't remember his first name, but Rodriguez is (laughs) Luis Rodriguez. There you go. Uh, Luis Rodriguez, who is the author of Always Running. Uh, He uh, in the book, you it's an autobiography. Um, You can read about his history uh, of being a gang member and involved in a lot of gang activity growing up and how poetry and, uh, reading and, uh, just being really good at that kind of stuff, pull him out, uh, of that life. And so he actually does a lot. I mean, a lot of community, um, action grassroots work and Tia Chuchas is one of the things that he does where he, Um, gives back to the community by uh, offering a place for people to go uh, and uh, be involved and participate in a lot of cultural-type activities and resources. Um, One of the things that we saw there uh, at Tia Chucha's uh, event this weekend was um, some Native cultural uh, dancing, and uh, Tia Chucha's uh, actually offers classes um, where you can at least they did pre-pandemic, um, but they offer classes where you can go and you can learn the dances. They offer also offer classes on um, learning native language, uh, and it's just um, really cool the types of things that they offer. No one's turned away for lack of funds, and um, they do fundraisers throughout the year. I think I actually even uh, shared the achuchasana on a a Junto Cifort this long, long time ago. Um, But they're always having uh, really cool, amazing events. And this was their 17th annual Celebrating Words uh, event. And so uh, we participated in the past uh, but Jen, oh my gosh, it's grown so much from when you and I did it Yeah, and it was so <laughs> tiny. And I remember you got the little, um, your little necklace, yeah. but it, it's grown so much. I didn't even get a chance to walk around cause it was just really busy, but, um, they had food trucks, they had, wow. uh, so much, uh, stuff that was free for the community. There was a couple of people who came by at the end and was like, "Sorry we didn't come back to buy our books, but we were making earrings, earrings. and they had little lotaria yes. earrings yes. that they made. They looked so cute." So, that uh, was
0: really cool.
1: It was it was a really good event and uh, if you go to tiachuchas.org, you can find out more information.
2: Yes, uh, we were situated in a really cool spot. We were at Comics Row, but I think it was one of the main entrances because yes. um the very one of the very first tables was um silk screening um art their art and also putting it on um cloth bags and so there was a line for that and then there was a line for the there's this other agricultural school like the agriculture department was giving away free plants and they also offer uh classes for individuals to want to learn how to plant and how to like learn more about agriculture and how they can like grow their own food
1: how to not kill your stuff <laughs> <laughs> how
2: to not kill your plants how to not plant. kill
0: your house plant
2: yeah. <laughs> i got that this pepper that they said it's really um spicy so hopefully i can make a salsa and share it with you guys oh nice and um and then on the other side there was another uh organization where they were taking uh polaroids and then they were removing the image from the polaroid and putting it on on a regular piece of paper and they were like interacting with the community like little like a little mini workshop and there was a line for that. And so and then they were giving away free bags as well. Um, and then there was us, the comic people. And then there was across from us was like the tables where they were giving out free free books. And then beyond that was the stage where we heard a lot of spoken word, uh, oh, word, yes. poetry and the bands playing like really like really ethnic sounds like them uh, um como timbales y, uh, guitarras and it was just really beautiful it's my first time assisting this to this uh tia Chucha event and i just want to go back it was just amazing i mean it's a free event for the whole family it's very family driven and so like a lot of the people come with all their kids and stuff and i like that kristen uh brings comic books supplied by Heidi Hole Comics for shop and gives uh, kids a, a free comic book. And so um, sometimes you see like this really bright, this brightness in their face and you're like, oh my god, they're going to read this comic book. And sometimes uh, uh, Kristen, I don't think you were there, but um, they would get some free comics and then the there was like two kids that came back. They're like, I just read the comic. It's really good. So I want to come and get another one. And I was like, go for it. <laughs> So and that was like really just beautiful yeah um and then some kids they're like oh i told my friends to come over here because you're giving free comics <laughs> so then, <laughs> like <laughs> a pack of five kids would come um so it was cool the only thing i i had a little bit of an issue is is when the families come and i think kristen you've experienced this a lot when the families come and maybe they just have their daughter with them they're like oh why don't you take some comics uh, maybe you're for your brother And I'm just like, Uh, yeah, why can't it be for her? (laughs) So, um, but yeah, no, there was a lot of really wonderful interactions with people. A lot of people talked to us and they were just like really happy to hear what we had been doing, what we were doing. And um, it was just a really great crowd. There was a, actually a family that drove all the way from Compton. To yeah, I was going to say they, people came far. Yeah, and I'm just it's, like... Coima oh. is, that's where it was held. Pacoima is not close to Compton. <laughs> it is not close mm. to Compton, and in LA traffic, that's yeah. an hour drive. <laughs> so,
1: so uh, yes, it was a really great event. Sarah had to hold me back uh, uh, <laughs> because I got into it with like a 14-year-old boy <laughs> oh, <laughs> tried to Kristen. tell me who tried to tell me that um, uh, that Marvel was trying to force diversity into their comics, and I said, "What did you say?" <laughs> oh, and I'm like, "Oh my shit. god!" I am like, and Homer then Simpson he just- uses Jane Foster and Sam Wilson as his two examples. And my first question was, "Did you read the comics?" He's like, "Well, I read." Um, Uh, all-new Ghostwriter. I'm like, he's like Robbie Reyes, like, and he's talking to me very condescendingly, like, I don't know what I'm talking about, and and I said, uh, yes, Robbie Reyes, I said, um, but what about Jane Foster and Sam Wilson make you think that it's forced diversity? Those are two characters that existed before they became Captain America and Thor, and if you read the storyline, then you would know that the story was the, both those stories were really great and amazing. He's like, Mm -hmm. uh, he's like, uh, Maybe some of them were. I'm like, Jason Aaron is an amazing creator. And if you haven't read uh, Mighty Thor and the stories leading up to the, the Jane Foster storyline, then you need to go back and you need to read those. And then Sarah told me he rolled his eyes at me. I said, oh, he's like, yeah, I didn't see that. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he was like
2: his body language was all like it almost felt like that guy who came to interview you at the. Oh, Listo, yeah. Um, yeah. Where the, he's like, I don't like the word Latinx. Like, it just felt that way. Like, he was trying to yes. pick a fight. And I was just like, and then he told, well, this was before he talked to you. But he told me, he's like, what? how do you choose your comic books? Do they only have to have women? And I go, no, on our sign and on our card, it says, no, Lat- Latinx. Creators that can mean pencilers, that can mean artists, that can mean writers, that can mean characters. It doesn't just it's not just female driven podcasts. I mean, that's also we also focus on female and women in the podcast and inter- in, in the comics industry. But I was like, What what is going on here? You're like 14. <laughs> and he was a
1: young kid. <laughs> what is I'm go- like, who's 14? telling you this garbage? I <laughs> well, just you talking hear about me? it. I'm trying to give you free stuff. <laughs> Uh
2: yes As a
0: matter
2: of rap, you can't have this give that back. <laughs> oh my God, and this kid he, he left um they left with the free comic and then they came back uh, again, Kristen wasn't there and they're like, uh, we read it, didn't like it, and we're returning it, but we're getting another one. I was like, okay, just whatever. <laughs> like at this point I was like, I'm not gonna engage. It's the end of the day. I just can't.
1: <laughs> oh no, but he said the right words. To me. (laughs) oh he said i don't like the way they're forcing diversity i said oh oh, what do you mean by forcing diversity i don't know about forcing diversity and that's what started the conversation and i came out hot like he he could tell in my in my tone that i was like ready to fight
2: (laughs) i know i was like okay i was like that homer simpson the one that like like into the the shed (laughs) Yep. yep i was like oh no I'm just going to have to just, okay, just listen and just he kind of try like- to
0: engage with him. I would have just laughed in his face. I'm just like, okay, child, move on. <laughs> Look, if you're 14 and you have opinions, one, you're wrong because you're 14. Uh, and two, like, I'm not, I'm 28 years old. <laughs> Why am I talking? Why are you talking to me? Take your comments, book and go. <laughs>
2: Jen. No, I was just seriously like just take a comic
1: book, it's free. Take a pen, it's free. A sticker. Um, no, you know. I was like it is my due diligence as a comic book retailer uh to pass on my knowledge and, and information to these misinformed people. And it's not always children. So, uh That's true. Hopefully he, he goes and he reads some, but he was just like, not having it. Like I could tell, like the words that I was saying, he was just like, they, he was so like, and I don't know if it had to do that. I was old or that I was a woman, but he just was like, probably both with that. Yeah. The attitude of, you don't know what you're talking about type thing. Right. But as I started saying things like Sam Wilson and, and cause he, he didn't say, he didn't say the names. He said a female Thor and a black Captain America. And yes. He didn't say the name. So as I started saying specific things and naming uh, creators and that kind of thing, he kind of like was like, oh, OK. Like and he kind of got quiet, but
0: no, and it's <laughs> yeah, true, you I mean. don't know shit
1: because he's 14. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I mean, when you brought up authors, I was like, OK, like let her handle it because she knows what's up. Like, it's cool. Like, you know, your <laughs> stuff. I'm like, eh, those are good. Some good arguments. So, but, you know, he was younger. So like, even his body language is a little bit dismissive. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, you know, we're talking about it right now. So, I mean, he made an impression. So, but anyway, <laughs> that's all to say, I really loved the uh, Vietchucha event. um um they had a lot of workshops. The earring one, I didn't get to see. They had vendors I didn't get to see. We didn't have any paletas. Oh, and you know what, Jen? Kristen almost killed me this weekend. She kept feeding me and I wouldn't stop eating. And there was a point that I was like, I cannot. I'm so sick now.
1: One of the food trucks was making their tortillas fresh right there I could see the little lady like the big bag of masa and she was making them and oh my god they were so good
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh Kristen oh yeah she kept feeling
2: (laughs) like Frank I was like are you hungry when I get home and I go no Kristen tried to kill me (laughs) so what I'm like she kept feeding me, and I wouldn't stop eating. It's like you're like
1: a goldfish.
2: <laughs> Seriously, uh, the first round of food. Okay, there were rounds of food. So the first yes. round of food was like super delicious, and I ate it. I was already starving, so I scarfed it down. The second, and then I even burned my tongue on the on the beef, Con- yeah, yeah. soup yeah um because it's so hot and i couldn't wait and then the second round i started with the tacos with the homemade tortillas and they were good but then i could not continue to that it was like a torta a semita semita, yes and that's from my hometown in puebla and i couldn't even bring myself to taste it i felt so bad i was gonna take it home but then it was like i just couldn't see myself getting hungry that day just i had eaten so much (laughs) i was like i'm about to puke
1: uh, yeah, I even mm-hmm. I felt pukey, but the tacos, the second round, I should we should have started there because they were so good. They were better than the first.
2: So. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <sighs> That's all to say. It's worth it to go to this free event. <laughs> we're, we're already absolutely. looking forward to it next, next year.
2: Yes, absolutely. All right, guys, now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. And I have some juicy cheese that comes from a listener, Gerardo Lopez he actually dm'd what up us, slid into our dms is that dm's, <laughs> no, DMs? That. no no don't
0: no. say that no don't that say, that. Don't say it that it oh. doesn't mean what you think it means and that's my cousin there's no sliding into the DMs. <laughs> okay i'm oh, sorry
2: <laughs> i am i'm not hip to that jive guys <laughs> i just i don't know what these kids are talking about
1: <laughs> oh my gosh i'm gonna lie
2: down on the floor <laughs> <laughs> oh, now i tried to kill jen <laughs> anyway thank you so much for your interacting with us and listening to our podcast he tells us that warner brothers discovery is a- actively trying to set up a separate studio for dc films, similar to marvel studios and the search for leadership is currently underway so that means that they're going to slash and burn uh the people that are working on it right Uh, in those studios right now. And they're starting fresh with a whole new talent. So I don't know. I
1: mean, I mean, they are five movies deep into having to have made this decision long ass time ago.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Although the new Batman was pretty amazing. So I haven't seen it. So, I mean, but you know, there's great great. other characters out there. I mean, and then with um, this
1: whole, like, and maybe that's why, maybe the, whatever team they had on this movie and the, Uh, Success of it got them finally to open their eyes and be like, hey, we need to stop doing half ass movies and treating stop treating comic book stories as just like children's fair or whatever. Like, I mean, I know that there's been some serious stuff out there, but I don't think that they've come even close to what Marvel has done with their MCU.
2: Oh no, they're they're winning the race by by. I mean, they have plans for movies and shows, as far as I can see. So uh, DC. Anyways,
1: it's
0: Zack Snyder's fault. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: pretty much
2: setting it all back.
1: Thanks a lot. But, yeah, that's
2: that's my chisme de la semana.
1: And I love this idea of getting chisme sent to us by listeners. Now, I don't care if it's chisme about your Tia Francis or about your vecino or what. Send it to us. We will share it with the world.
0: (laughs) If you want us to talk about it, like chisme is going to turn into uh, into words of wisdom from the comadres. (laughs) (laughs) But we will be talking about it. Uh. Anyways, thanks, G. (laughs)
2: all right guys now it's time for on my radar Kristen, what
1: is on your radar so on my radar this week is this amazing book it is an image number one called one billion genies uh it sounded super interesting when i first ordered it but when it came in and I read it, I was like, oh my God, this is like the best premise uh, that I've seen coming out in a comic book in a really long time. It's written by Charles Soule, and uh, the art is by Ryan Brown. And if those names sound familiar to you, it's because it's the exact same creative team that was on Curse Words. Uh, and Curse Words is an actually really good book as well. But Eight Billion Genies basically follows the premise of. What would happen if every single person in the world, in the world, what would happen if everyone had a wish that a genie just popped up out of nowhere at the same time for every single person in existence and said, hey, I have a wish for you. What would you wish for? So this book, this number one, which came out uh, on May 11th. This number one basically sets that premise up um, where at exactly the same moment, everyone on earth gets a genie and then all hell breaks loose because people are wishing for all kinds of crazy stuff and all of it comes to fruition all at the same time. So there. (laughs) You, you see a splash page of like people flying. Some one person is riding a dinosaur down the street, another person is inside of a mech suit, just like shooting lasers at everyone. It is just total chaos. Uh, but we find a um, we uh, our story is being told um, by uh, a certain. Have you ever seen uh, The Mist? Where uh, yeah. all those people are, are stuck in the grocery store. Yes yeah. well, it's kind of similar in that we are following this group of people who are inside of a bar. And the interesting thing about it is that when the bartender, the owner of the bar, is asked what his wishes is, he wishes that none nobody inside of that bar is affected by any of the wishes that have happened outside of the bar. Wow. So that was actually very genius that his bar and no and people inside the bar are not affected. And so that is the whole premise of number one, but definitely read it. There's little things that I'm leaving out that I um think would definitely uh garner for you to actually read it for yourself. And it is an eight-issue mini-series. So we have seven more issues to go, and I can't wait to see what happens.
2: Oh, that's awesome! It kind of reminds me a little bit of W W eighty four, where that guy ingests the dreamstone oh, and then asks uh-huh. everybody to just keep on wishing, and then like everything was going it, it falling apart, pretty much. But this whole thing with the wish of the bar bar owner, that kind of it's a different spin. So I'm mm-hmm. excited to to hear more about that.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right, guys. What time is it? I'm <gasps> so ready.
1: I don't know. My tummy's gone through a lot this week. Uh, and so uh, we're we're going to be uh, drinking a triple India pale ale as part of Hora de la, la cervecita. cervecita. We have a Monkish collab uh, with Monkish Brewing. And who's the collaboration with? Pink
2: Boot Society.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Pink Boot Society. <coughs> okay. And, I have a little bit of info on the, okay, on cool. the,
2: on the beer. It's called Sister Monks. Um, it's a, like Kristen said, it's an IPA triple New nuts. England hazy 10% AVB. It's, <gasps> uh, they say it's our Pink Boots Society collaboration triple IPA brewed with two-row and raw wheat to showcase this year's Pink Boots blend by Yakima Ch- uh, Chief Hops. Um, so they have HBC 630, Idaho Gem, Laurel, us Triumph, uh, more of the experimental hops, HBC three, uh, 630, and a touch of Citra. So I think what happens is uh, Pink Boots uh, has a blend of hops that they present uh, every year. And then uh, the collaboration is that the, uh, the breweries, um, they brew this, this uh, blend that has been selected by some kind of chief brewmaster. Oh, cool. So, with <laughs> no Sounds further cool. ado, because I'm ready. For, I've been I'm kind of scared.
1: This. I don't want this to be, be so hoppy that I can't enjoy it. Um, and I like
2: the can art. I mean, Monkish always has amazing can art, but it's like a uh, sister, which is uh, uh, una monja. Una monha, and she has None. a glass. She has a glass of beer and it's kind of a metallic color and the pink boots are hanging in the background and then of course their monkish sign on top um, but the pink boots are also kind of a metallic pink and Oh, I didn't even notice the- those boots
1: <clears throat> That's funny
2: So, And this beer comes as a gift to us from our very own um, beer padrino uh, Eric Compton Eric who happens oh, nice. to be my brother but he donated this to <laughs> our um,
1: and you're leaving out the best part. The nun isn't just a nun; it's a skeleton. Oh, that's right. I I, I didn't <laughs> mentioned it, but yes, it's really creepy.
2: I love it. I love I love monkish, so I'm very excited. I'm gonna take a quick sip because it smells delicious when you open it. Okay. Oh my God, Jenna looks amazing. Yeah, Jen it just does. poured it in a
1: glass in a tulip. Oh my God. The flavors flavors in this beer are like times a thousand. Yeah, but they're not heavy. Like they're very lightly. No, I'm not saying that it's heavy or hoppy or whatever, but it is so overpowering on flavor. It just, the flavor just hit my tongue. And I have not tasted a beer in a very long time that I've reacted in that way. Two before it, they were very, very flavorful, but like on steroids flavor. (laughs) And second, second taste the same. It's actually really good. Like I, I enjoy It is not it. as
0: strong as I thought it I would was be. I was
1: afraid it was going to be super hoppy at the end. It's a triple IPA. And I'm telling you, the more and more we taste good IPAs, the more and more I am convinced that there are lazy brewers out there that just go with the flow and is like, hey, I'm going to make an IPA. And to me, that just means making a hoppy finish and that's it. And I'm done. But this one and honestly i i would not expect any less from monkish cuz monkish is such does such a good job at creating multi-layered flavor profiles of their beer but this is really really uh, flavorful without that horrible hoppy aftertaste. And don't come for me because I know some people love that hoppiness of the beer, but to be honest with you, I just feel like that just means that you haven't tried enough good beer.
0: And to be honest with you, grow taste buds. Um, um, (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. It's just like, it's like, like seriously <laughs> develop <laughs> develop
1: some 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 nuance <laughs> that's it's definitely like, it like hoppy aftertaste is not nuanced like a, your beer should definitely be nuanced on different levels
0: i don't know it's kind of like what i point on mom like kids who only eat macaroni and cheese or chicken nuggets and then they don't want anything else even oh, yeah. though it might be like more tastier or more yeah. like or like more or better for them, and they're like, "No, I only know this, and I just want this." Like, yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but anyways, um, I thought I was not expecting to like this, but same. <laughs> uh, everything Kristen said is one hundred percent true. It's very very flavorful. It's it's it it does have that hoppy taste but it doesn't one like linger and it doesn't like super like punch you in the face that it's Mm -hmm. the only thing that you can taste. You can definitely taste that there's other things going on underneath here. And again, uh, like once, once Sarah said that it was a monkish collab with pink boot society, I should have known better. I should have been like, Oh, you know what? It's probably going to be good because monkish, we do know that monkish, like, I think maybe like most of the, like, IPAs that I have liked have been monkish. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we've had a pink boot society beer that we haven't liked. Uh, Yeah, that's right. The fact that these two have worked together and they have made a very, very flavorful, very, very tasty, very tasty triple IPA. I think that is um uh, shows the skill one of the members of the Pink Boot Society and of the people at Monkish. Oh, absolutely.
2: I mean, this is really kicking my ass, to be honest. Um, (laughs) And learning more about the yearly uh, Pink Boots blend that goes out. um, This one by Yakima Chief. Uh, Hops hops that are raw and wheat and all these other different, um, including the citra. Oh, my God. It just really is amazing. I'm so glad we got a chance to taste it. I didn't even know that they were releasing a pink boots collab so i'm really glad that my brother was able to stank some for us and i'm really happy that he gifted us this beer because it is multi-leveled flavor and with the signature uh monkish feel to it like the juicy juice like stuff it just it's like i don't know i don't know like i I felt it's a wonderful pairing with the book review we're going to do right now. But, um, <laughs> I'm really in love with this beer. I I really love it. I mean, if I were able to get more, I definitely would. Um, but it just goes to show how I the monkish style of brewing and then the Pink Boots blend that gets released. I feel like this is something you should actively search out if you get a chance. Like every year, maybe just... Um, kind of keep an eye out to see what the collab for that year would be but it's really amazing and the can art
1: I really want to know who this artist is it's so good creepy and yeah gay. they should have it here on the on the sticker <laughs> I've I've seen some of the beers that we've done before um, actually shout out to the creator of the art on the can but I don't see it here so
2: I don't see it here either but it you know what I'm things. waiting for
1: I am waiting for a pink boots collab with 1870. Ooh, um, ooh. I cannot yes. wait to see what uh, brewmaster Brigitte uh, is a Brigitte Bridget, Bridget. Um, from 1870 would do. Uh, and what we would come up with. I have been following her on Instagram uh, and all of that. Like, seriously, like I'm like, I just want to drive to Minnesota just to go there. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I feel no, like no, one hundred percent.
2: Maybe when Jen is like, maybe on a downtime, maybe we could do like a three day trip do- up there. I would totally love to do that. I was going to say,
0: uh, you but know anyway, how tempted um, I am to just like take the Greyhound back to Menesto. <laughs> well, yeah, she's that actually train. closer than we are. It's not yeah. that far for her. The Greyhound, or I think that I think there might be. The train, the Amtrak 2 itself. Mm -hmm. I'd have to double check. But yeah. Well, if you want to
2: follow my brother Compton Eric, his Instagram is Perler and Beer. That's P-E-R-L-E-R underscore the And then the letter N and then underscore and then Beer. B-E-E-R. And he basically he basically posts pairing his artwork with um drinking beer. So it's like really it's entertaining. You definitely should take a look. Uh, but thanks to him, we have this beer in front of us and are we ready to rate it?
1: Oh yes. So to be honest, I always forget that we we are um sans rating system. So <laughs> <until laughs> right. we actually are here doing we threw out the we threw out the penis a while back and then we tried to do something else and I was like um I don't think we're feeling it and we couldn't yeah. really uh, we couldn't really like make it work. And then we're like, okay, well, let's do something else. And then we didn't.
0: <laughs> we're going to the- just
1: stick with this 5.8 scale until we can come up with something better yeah. um but i think super saiyan uh, out of a six out of a five we can stick with that
2: yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah and basically the last two episodes we recorded we didn't even we need didn't do beer yeah. scale because they were all super saiyans and oh I, that's right i can mm-hmm. confidently say that we could still throw out the scale because this is for me a super saiyan it's
0: <laughs> totally kicking my ass yeah. i love it <laughs> um I'm going to agree with Sarah as well. And wait, Kristen,
1: did you say that you said you were giving it a Super Saiyan? Oh, I hadn't said it yet, but yes, I definitely will. Um, At 10%, I'm telling you, I've taken three sips and I'm like, I'm all warm and fuzzy already. So definitely this comes with a warning label. (laughs) It (laughs) should anyway.
2: Oh, 100%. Yeah.
0: So um, before this, I had had, um, uh, I was at work and I decided to, Grab CPK uh, while I was at work uh, or after I clocked out of work and I had two glasses of sangria. So I was already a little bit like feeling it. <laughs> this is definitely putting even me more into feeling it. And I'm yes. going to give it a super saying as well, because it's, it really took me by surprise and I'm definitely going to finish this because I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. There's some of the beers where that I've drank that I'm like, <laughs> pour it out <laughs> no i don't <laughs> totally need you no on more. that yeah but i'm um, uh because i don't have anybody else to drink it so oh
1: basically.
0: yeah but i'm definitely gonna finish this so super saying on this one
2: so that ladies and gentlemen has been our beer review all right guys it's now time for our book review and jen what are we reviewing today
0: so, today we're reviewing a book that Kristen gave me a long time ago and that I remember seeing it. Uh, and it is Cypress Hill, Tres X. Uh, and let me read the little synopsis on here to those who might know the name Cypress Hill. <laughs> Relive Cypress Hill's legendary self titled debut album with this original graphic novel, Tres X. 1991, X years ago, a trail-raising <laughs> trio made music history blending East Coast hip-hop fundamentals with West Coast Chicano swagger to form a sound all their own. Before they became icons, Luis and Senen were just a couple teenage cholos from around the way, trying to stay out of trouble until a series of chance encounters with both sides of the law changed their paths forever. Tres X guest stars Officer O'Malley, Sister Maggie, and many other classic Cypress characters. Written by Noah Callahan Bever and Gabriel Alvarez and illustrated by Felix Ruiz, Hefte, Palo, Juan Helon, Damien Scott, Angel Hernandez, and Paris uh, Alene? Aline. Aline. <laughs> I'm
2: going
0: to go ahead and say Aline.
2: <laughs> uh yes, so uh <laughs> I like the very first page. It says based on the funky true story of Cypress Hill, sort of. It's hard to say. We were stone. Anyhow, it's a tribe thing. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> excellent. So this is Sarah. And um so I got this book on Wednesday or Tuesday or Monday, I don't know. Last <laughs> week from Kristen, and I was like, oh, I love the cover art. But I'm like, um, I remember liking Cypress Hill, but oh, I don't know. Like, it's gonna be like really like. I thought it. W- I didn't even flip through it. I just really thought it was gonna be like really like um, like graphic art that is on the walls on the side of the freeway, like <laughs> it was really kind of bubbly and stuff and colorful, and um, <clears throat> and then I started reading it, and after the first three pages, I was hooked. I was like, oh. I'm going to finish this book right away because I love it. I didn't even pause. It was so good. I mean, usually for me, Sarah, what I do is if a book is related to artists or or anything like that, I put their music up in the background and then I read it. And then the only thing I regret about reading this book is because I was reading it in my bedroom with my husband next to me. And I couldn't pump the music of Cypress Hill to because I really wanted to. I really want to get the full round feel, but afterwards I did start Googling merch and listening and doing all that stuff. And um, I got to say, I really freaking love this book. I know there's different artists for each chapter of the of the comic, but all of the art was amazing. The colors were amazing. Um, the colorist was the same colorist for the whole uh, five issues, I believe. Um, And it was just really amazing. Um, Reading it took me back to a part of my youth that I usually do not highlight or do not even really talk about um, because it wasn't really my uh, story, but it was a story in my background, you know, like stuff that I knew about and lived kind of through. Even though like I was clearly different from that set of people like with the cholos and with sets you represent and the colors you wear and all of that stuff. But overall, reading this book was such an amazing experience for me. I completely loved it. I love the little Easter eggs, like the little like suicidal tendencies Easter egg in the... Um, liquor store where one of the people in the background is like, all I wanted was a Pepsi, and I was like, I <laughs> totally get it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then I yeah. freaking Google so, uh, "Suicidal Tendencies" and I, you know, freaking listen to the song again. It's just really it's such a magical thing. I think there was a lot of points that I loved about this book, um, even like the strife within them, the um, the members, because. I learned from this book that Mellow Man Ace was part of Cypress Hill uh, early on and then was no longer a member later on because Mellow Man Ace actually uh, had a his own album out. And all I remember from Mellow Man Ace is thinking, I can't believe this. Like, I didn't know the I didn't know the Afro-Latino concept, but I was like, this this black dude is speaking spanish like it's cool like amazing and i love to song mentirosa i don't know if you guys remember um uh, no
1: if i heard it maybe but
2: and they did a lot of that like spanglish in that song and they did like a uh, like a kind of a low rider kind of sample in the song. Mm-hmm. And it just became like super amazing. I remember dancing to it at like Quinceañeras and stuff. It was just really... They still
0: play it at Quinceañeras. That's why I recognized it. Exactly.
2: <laughs> Ain't got nobody. And then it goes, Y mañana es otra cosa. And I was like, oh,
1: Okay, I know. I know what you're talking about.
2: Yo no sé de qué estás hablando. Yo no soy una mentirosa. <laughs> like it was just, <laughs> it was really great. Anyway, that was like the most popular Metal Man Ace song I knew. And I remember watching the video, like on, um, it was uh, MTV in Espanol con uh, oh, Daisy. MTV in Espanol. Yes. yes. Like it took me back, girls. It really it, it took MTV me. Is MTV in Espanol like still a thing? No, it's not. Is it? It's not. Yeah. <sighs> but um, so, yeah, like I, I also, when I saw Cypress Hill, like actually saw their picture, I was like, these guys look like half African-American, maybe mm-hmm. they're mixed or whatever. But mm-hmm. it turns out like Sendog Dog is a Cuban-American rapper. Be Real has a Mexican father and a Cuban mother. DJ Muggs is an American DJ. Melo has Cuban-American uh, descendants. And Eric Bobo Correa, who also is no longer part of the group, he actually... Uh, had a uh, Cuban Afro Cuban jazz Latin roots because his dad was Willie Bubble, who is a Puerto Rican descent, who focused on like Afro Latin jazz. And I'm just like, oh my God, these people existed before I knew the term Afro Latino. Afro Latino, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> super happy that I grew up with them because like it meant a lot in reading about their story and their struggle and how they made things happen and how they fell into also gang gang related Mm -hmm. activities and then um choosing another path and and then how that choice also let you down and you're almost ready to give up you know and and then how big wig uh, companies are trying to market your brand and not you're not happy with that marketing because that's not who you are And it was just really amazing. I just thought it was amazing. And um, actually, DJ Muggs came from um, New York. So that's how they had that partnership or that like New York kind of blending with West Coast rap. And not only that, they're freaking from Southgate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, fuck. (laughs) I mean, even the fact that they were talking about like when they got when he got shot and was taken to, I think they're called it was called uh, MK Killer.
0: Yeah, Martin Luther Killer. King Jr. Killer King. Yep.
2: Killer Killer King. King. Yeah. Hey, um, that
0: reputation is well served. My mom yep. did not take us to Dr. Martin Luther King Hospital ever.
2: <laughs> right. Right. I actually read in the papers how there were like um, the main guy in charge of the whole thing had a person he hired to hold his umbrella whenever he was outside in the sun so he was like stealing a lot of yeah. money from mm-hmm. the hospital
1: yep the um, hospital yeah. went through a lot yes of horrible things from the bad people who were in leadership roles mm-hmm. there and of course the people who suffered were the people of color who were in that community that had nowhere else to go mm-hmm.
2: exactly and go to- i actually live yeah. 15 minutes away from it like mm-hmm. it's like Part of my community—it's crazy. Anyway, I, I, I'm so stoked and so amazed about how much I love this book because I grew up being a person who would say, "I don't like rap. I don't like oldies." That's not who I am. Like because I wanted to like represent something else in myself. So I was like, oh, yeah, like, I only really like The Cure, Depeche Mode and like Sisters of Mercy. But <laughs> no, bitch, you like Cypress Hill. You like Bellamone's like you did. <laughs> and hearing their songs again, because like I said, when I finished reading it, I played the music and I was like, no, man, I really love Cypress Hill. I just didn't. I, I wasn't true to myself. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and that I did this song to be a rap superstar. Get large.
1: Oh. Yeah. (laughs) anyway, what did the same as I was reading the story? um, They referenced their first video that they made and how they didn't like it and that they were making them do things and present themselves in ways that were just whack in their words. (laughs) And I went and I found that video and I watched it and it was it was really interesting to see the video, but to actually see how they felt about making it and the end product. And then to kind of see the evolution of them having a little bit more say because they started becoming popular um, in their own uh, in, in their own style or uh, how how they wanted people to see them. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. I didn't know much uh, of anything um, about them at all. Their personal lives, where they came from. I had no idea they were from Southgate um, uh, when. uh insane in the brain came out that was a huge hit that's the one everyone knows and i mean i don't think there's anyone out there that can't sing along to that song and there were a couple others that i remember and i've always liked them i had no idea that they were latino i had no idea like i said they were from los angeles and i had even less of an idea of their personal struggles that they went through so this uh, to me is such a come-up story of success of people from the hood. And it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's one in a million to be honest, but it still is a great story uh, to be able to see people who started uh, out going down a path that was not leading them anywhere um, good at all um, and be able to take their, um, take their talent and make it something big so i really enjoyed it as well
0: mm-hmm. i really enjoyed the book um i didn't know who cypress hill was <laughs> <laughs> but it's really funny because even though i didn't know their name there are songs that when i went to go listen to i was just like hey i remember hearing this mm-hmm. like 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 older cousins or like neighborhood or like people blasting it like on the like uh, either on the radio and stuff like that, but this is when I was like really young, when I was like <laughs> like four or five years old. Yep. And In the 90s, early nineties. <laughs> Very early nineties. Yeah. Um. Uh, so and uh and so it was really it was really funny, but it's also really really funny to see kind of how. Uh, like, the gang violence and everything, like, and stuff like that, is still stuff that I was just like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm like, I remember this. Because, I mean, I grew up in South Central LA, um, very much in kind of, like, gang territory and stuff like that. And it was still really prevalent when I was young. I want to say that it kind of calmed down when I was in middle school. So, like, around, like, 2000. 2007 2008 is started calming down um uh, a lot because somebody or something or some they were just really cracking down a lot on the gang activity uh and of course there's still places in los angeles and in la county where it's still very much um uh, prevalent and out there and gun violence is once is rising up in la again uh, homicide is going up in LA again. Uh, gang activity is rising up in LA again. Uh, so it's kind of funny to see these parallels of the '80s slash early '90s and even now, and how kind of like <laughs> like it kind of hasn't changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I was I remember talking to uh, now I was talking to a coworker and we are talking about Kendrick's like new album. Mm. Uh, and we are talking about like old school rap and we are just all like old school, like old school rap and like hip hop and stuff like that. Like, it's like, it, ca- it can't be done now. Like that, that sound and that like kind of like style of like rap. It's like, it's not that it's dead, but it's definitely like, like, I don't think you can become kind of like famous off of it, uh, in the way that you could. With like NWA, uh, Cypress Hill.
1: I mean, uh, yeah, those were just like so trailblazing. Back they then. yeah,
0: they really, they really were trailblazing, and they were like, uh, like because my parents came to California to Los Angeles, like around like the mid 80s mid to late eighties. So this is like when all this stuff was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and they sometimes they tell me they're like they're like oh yeah like we like we like like, we had to make sure like we weren't wearing any colors and stuff like that or when somebody would ask us we would be leaning really heavily on the spanish like bro we can't understand you and usually they'd be left alone (laughs) uh um uh, because it was really funny um um, yeah
2: i love it when they used to ask me where you from and i was like my mother's womb <laughs> like that was my smartest answer. But for the longest when I was young, it was like, don't ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: then you get older and you get a little bit snappy, but then sometimes that can lead you to getting beat up. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think um uh I know a, a friend who got like beat up because he was like he was on his way to school walking and he got cornered by a bunch of like little fucking Little fucking chulitos, and they're like, "Where you from, bro?" And he was just like, "Bro, I'm just trying to go to school." And then they're like, "Pussy," and then they fucking just beat him up for no reason, like. And then he just came into school. He was like sporting like a fucking black eye and a like split Jeez. lip, and they were just all like, "Yeah, that's just how it was." Yeah, and we were just all like, we "We're just, we were all just all like, oh, good thing you didn't get shot." Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like no that's kidding. That's literally that was literally it. And so just kind of reading that it's really fun because like speaking about it and like even talking about it, it's like you realize the situation is so fucked up but to me, it was literally like just another day. Yeah. Just just another Mm day in LA. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's kind of like I don't speak from it like out of fondness, but I speak from it kind of like from an area of like you know, like this was kind of like normal. This was just like, like yeah, this is, this is shit that happened. And like you can't really dwell on it because if you do, it's just how like, well, it happened. It's just like, if you if you let it fuck you up, then.
1: <laughs> oh, well. So for those of you who don't know, Cypress Hill is considered to be the first ever Latin American hip hop group. So wow. that is also very trailblazing in and of itself. Um, and this particular comic book uh, was published in 2021. Uh, February of 2021. And I didn't know this, but funny how things all come around through this comic and us reading it. I um, look to see if, cause I haven't heard any of any of their new stuff because I don't really listen to the radio much anymore. Um, but they do have a new album. It, uh, it came out March of this year and it's called back in black. Uh, it's their 10th <laughs> studio album. And uh, it was released in March of this year. And it includes, 10 tracks, and it was fully produced by DJ Muggs.
2: Oh, wow. wow. And you know what I really loved about this book is at some point within the book, they highlight like their musical influences, like mm-hmm, Bob mm-hmm. Marty, uh the Beatles, uh, Led Zeppelin. Uh, and I was just like, whoa. And then when they were talking about DJ Muggs working with 7A3, I didn't mm-hmm. know who they were from mm-hmm. the name, right? but i watched the movie colors along i mean i watched it when it came out and i was like that shit is fucking brutal so then i was like okay i'm going to listen to the song that and it was like one of the main tracks on the soundtrack colors. and i was like colors Whoa. Co- co-
1: co- colors, colors. <laughs> i am <laughs> what is it i am a Something, walking, psychopath talking. I (laughs) knew that fucking album from beginning to end. I could tell you word for word and sing all those songs. I was obsessed with colors (laughs) and the soundtrack.
2: Yes. That's so funny. I never would think that of you, Miss like The Cure, Miss Depeche Mode. I
1: worked in a music store in high school. So I listened to all kinds of music.
2: That's so cool. <laughs> that is freaking awesome. That is freaking yeah. awesome.
1: And, and, like, um, um,
2: and then oh, wow. um, I don't know. I mean, if you take the time to h- look at all the things that they worked on as individuals, you could see all the fucking influences. I mean, DJ Muggs worked with like the Beastie Boys at one point mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, I mean, like they have like so many like levels of talent and levels of stuff that they put out as far as music is concerned but i was just like like i'm gonna go back and fucking listen to all their songs again because <laughs> i'm just like i mean you know you put things on the shelf for some time but like you don't realize that they have been part of you for so long and you just didn't know to what depth and level and i love this about this book i love and you know what else i love about this book there's so much pot smoking in this book (laughs) i don't think (laughs) we could have read this before when it was all illegal like i think this is a time for this book to be out you know Um, it just it just it's not i mean it's not as shocking to see them
0: you know blazing all the time (laughs) in all the pages so it's I don't cool. think it ever really was especially in California. Yeah. Because like honestly like in California, what was, what was the joke? Like if if you're white it's free, if you're not it's 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that was a joke. That yeah. we that was um uh, but like it but like the fact that I knew this joke since I was like in like freaking like middle school Like, like, if you didn't smoke up pot, you know somebody who smoked pot, and you knew how to get pot. Um, um, so like, like, pot has been part of like California culture since since the eighties, I think. So, absolutely, since the sixties. Since the (laughs) sixties, pardon me. I don't think that it was like
2: the gateway drug, and my parents. Yes, eighties,
1: Nancy Reagan propaganda.
2: Yes. And it was vilified just and they know. even my husband <laughs> is still like, I'm not about the pot smoking. I'm not okay with it. I don't care if it's legal. I'm like you don't have to be okay with it. It's not part mm. of your life. Just let it be, you know? Yeah.
1: Tried honestly, when I tried to lose weight because I drink too much beer, I was like, I'm going to start smoking pot, not smoking. Cause I don't like to smoke, but I'll start like get a vape pin or whatever. But I just, I, d- I think it's because also I've just done edibles and it, floors me every single time (laughs) i i i don't know how to get like a good balance it just like i'm i'm just like sitting like comatose and have no control over my body i just feel like i'm floating and i don't like that feeling i'd rather be drunk (laughs) i knew i realized
0: that after like the like fourth or fifth time i smoked pot and I realized that I would get paranoid. I was a paranoid mm, high person. Yeah. I was just like, this isn't for me. Yeah. But then, thanks, Jimmy. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Jimmy. Yeah. You could get then high I standing realized, next to that dude. huh? You could yeah. get high just standing next to that dude.
0: <laughs> he he just exudes, sudden, exudes I be like, an aura.
1: I'd be sniffing the air. Oh, Jimmy's here. <laughs> but...
0: I realized that i would i'm okay getting high if i'm already drunk yes same okay i can get crossfaded i can get crossfaded and it doesn't fuck me up like how some people say it fucks them up because i'm just like i'm just like no like i don't like i'm i'm drunk and i'm high and i don't have the side effects of paranoia sign me the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) that's Um, awesome but yeah no um i want to say this kind of like these music groups doing or music people doing their own graphic novels kind of started popping up about like four or five years ago with i want to say the most prevalent one that came out was probably david bowie's oh wow david bowie's like kind of like autobiography Mm. and it was one it was really good um, uh, but two, it did really, really well, and it was nominated for an Eisner, and it got a lot of attention. I remember that when we had it, like when it was announced and everything, we got calls at the shop and stuff like that. Yeah, I and I remember telling Eddie that we should probably order like a couple of these, because um, um, people were like excited. And then, but then after that, I think others realized, like, hey. And so after that, there's been like graphic novels about James Brown, about um uh, Billy, Billy Idol about like uh, older uh, older now deceased artists and stuff like that. I saw like, one uh, on
2: Joan Jett that was heavily on oh, my really? Facebook uh, Facebook rotation mm-hmm. oh, cool. ads. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and there was um uh, the blues artist Billy um uh, Holiday, Billy Holiday. Yeah, Billy Holiday. Um, um, so there's been there's been quite a few uh, that have come out and that are still coming out and uh. Like, there's a Cypress Hill now. Uh, And a lot of these are very, very well done because most of them are done by, or at least in conjunction with the people that they're actually about. Mm -hmm. So, which is really, really cool because they kind of do get to tell their origin story and be like, yeah, like, this this is like what happened and now you get to, like, see it and see it illustrated. And I think a lot of them, or a lot of the people who are okay with turning their story into a graphic novel- are like really excited about it, yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I really like the epilogue where they were filming uh, the video for how I just how kill a man could just kill a man, and how like Ice Cube shows up mm-hmm. and all these other freaking rappers show up, and then like supporting West Coast. It. They yeah. didn't even ask them to come. They just came to support them. And that mm-hmm. was really freaking amazing. And then me going on YouTube and searching out that video and finding it and seeing Ice Cube and shit. And I'm like, yes, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, i um, if you guys want to add anything else before we actually rate it. No, I think we're good. Okay, great. Uh, so this is Sarah. And I am, like I said, I was reluctant to freaking pick it up. Or even flip through it. And once I started reading it in the first three pages, I was just like so sucked in. And I love the whole thing, how it made me relive, relive my youth and uh, come to terms with something that I denied about myself, like in rap. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give it the whole panaderia, man. It's fucking amazing. I loved it.
1: So this is Kristen, and I am not giving it the whole panaderia. I'm giving it three conchas and a cup of champurrado only because I feel like we just scratched the surface. I wanted more. I wanted to go deeper into some of the stuff that was going on because they, they shared certain little things, um, certain incidents that happened, And I was like, wow, this is like really interesting. Um, and I feel like, um, obviously it's their whole entire life story. It's all all these people's life stories and you can only do so much but that's how good it was um that it made me want more so I'm giving it three conchas and a cup of champurido, champurido, champurrado for purely selfish reasons <laughs> <laughs> I mean same there was like
0: these certain characters that uh like officer O'Malley yeah and- what's
1: up with the nun uh, offering sex for drugs yeah. <laughs> yeah well i wanted to I know actually more. what was the relationship
0: friend. with this like what's going on here uh, on
1: the back of the book it said like
0: sister maggie
1: or something it like said that? like uh prevalent cypress hills characters so i'm wondering are these people who showed up in their songs a lot i think they so. were referencing their songs were they in their video see i need more mm. information <laughs> See, it's Same. yeah, maybe we should
2: listen to the to the album, too, because. Oh, no, um, I, I know that with music. the Beatles, what a
0: pain. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know with the Beatles uh like uh Maggie McGill uh, was. No, no, I'm sorry. Maggie McGill was the doors. But a lot of like uh, Eleanor Ripley and all those characters in their songs were people that they knew in real life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they could be, I don't know, they could be allusions to other people that they did know in real life and they mm-hmm. just kind of changed their names uh, due to reasons. Um, but yeah, I'm with Kristen on that. I want to know more about who these people were and like kind of like how how they ended up like how well how they ended up, how they ended up knowing them and stuff like that, or what happened to them later um so i'm giving it i'm giving it three conchas because it is good it was interesting and um i got to uh learn more about a group that i didn't know i affected my early life this much so <laughs> yeah <laughs> tres conscious
1: nice
0: all right jen it's time for En la libreria what do you have for us today so, today I have for you Quetzalcoatl, Volume 1, a Latinx comic. It is a modern Latinx graphic novel about heritage, family, and a big effing feathered snake. <laughs> so, Quetzalcoatl, uh, I'm going to read the synopsis that we, or like the the campaign stuff that we see here on their page. Uh so they had actually done Quetzalcoatl before and I believe I've talked about it before too but that was just it's an issue 1. Weird. This is mm-hmm. the full graphic novel. Um so if you if you heard about this is this isn't me repeating that same thing this is a whole different one. This is instead of just being one comic issue, it's a full graphic novel. And Quetzalcoatl uh is like I'm going to read word for her word, what they have right here. Quetzalcoatl has always been about family, not just the family that you share blood with, but the family you decide to surround yourself with. All of those beautiful people that you let into your life each person who took the time to share and donated their hard-earned money to our cause. You are our family, we love you, and we appreciate you. If you're new here, Quetzalcoatl is a Latinx modern teen coming-of-age superhero comic in the tradition of Miss Marvel, The Amazing Spider-Man, and The Runaways. The world of Quetzalcoatl is a bit more of a mythological horror coming-of-age, however. We will be building off of Mesoamerican myth to bring forward stories that have not really been delved into in popular media it's is about history. This is the history of an underrepresented people of color, speci- specifically the indigenous people of South America and Mexican-Americans that are finally getting documented in the history books. It's important for us to publish something that will inform and empower people that look like us. Most of the funds for this Kickstarter will be used for actual production of the comic itself, art, colors, letters, covers, prints. Uh, and then it goes on to show like art for the book, different uh, covers, interior, uh, and it shows that it's collecting, I believe, five issues uh, with a bit of like back matter as well. Uh, it's a really bright, colorful book, and it is. it has the creators Mickey Martinez, Sam Jimenez, Ana Maria Richardson, uh, and the base pledge for Uh, The Kickstarter starts at $5, where you just get a sticker pack. Um, um, And then at $10, you get a digital poster and a digital wallpaper. And at $15, uh, you get the digital copy of Quetzalcoatl. At $25, you get um, uh, the Kickstarter button pack, which is uh, buttons, the graphic novel, the poster, wallpaper, and the sticker pack. And at $40, you get the physical copy of uh, Quetzalcoatl. And then it keeps increasing uh, up from there. Uh, And, of course, you can always uh, donate and support the book without ever expecting a reward. Uh, It has a goal of $10,000, and it's currently at $6,245 with 119 backers and 22 days to go. Nice. Yeah. So it is about... Like, pretty much, like, three-fourths of the way. Yeah, like, about three-fourths of the way to its um uh, to its goal. So, take a look at it. It looks really beautiful. It looks really bright. And who doesn't love a nice, like, YA-style book? Um, it sounds amazing. Yeah, it sounds super interesting. Uh, so, it's Quetzalcoatl uh and i'm gonna actually spell that out for you (laughs) so you can find it (laughs) you can find it and it's q u e t z a l c o a t l awesome that is
2: Mm super cool it's so cool that it's an actual graphic novel. So you don't just wait for issues to come out. It's the whole story. So that's yeah. really amazing.
0: I mean, they've obviously had success with uh, issue one and with getting on the other issues published. Cause this is usually when, usually you don't usually jump from like the issues straight to the graphic novel. You've had success with like publishing all the way to issue number five and then you do the graphic novel. So Um, there's enough people interested in it and the story sounds amazing. All
2: right. It's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today?
1: Today, I have for you an event coming uh, to us from Stranger Comics. We haven't uh, talked about Stranger Comics in a really long time. Stranger Comics is a friend of Heidi Ho Comics, and they used to have their events with us a lot. Unfortunately, we're at a much smaller location now, so I don't know how we would ever be able to make that happen again, but maybe in the future. But Stranger Comics is a comic book publishing company that creates content with a philosophy of quality where both story and art are sacred and authentic representation and authentic representation matters. So, um... They were in the news a lot, I think, last year that they had a big deal with HBO, or maybe it was even before that. Actually, I think it was pre-COVID because it was a big deal with HBO, and then COVID happened, and then it completely fell off the radar, unfortunately. Um, they uh, HBO was looking for their new um, Game of Thrones type property and Mm -hmm. they tapped stranger comics with their Asunda um, world. And so uh, they are stranger comics is having something called stranger con and stranger con is um, an online event that they are doing. Um, on i wrote this down they're doing on may 28th it's a live online convention that's going to be celebrating the launch of their tales of asunda number one niobe uh you can follow stranger comics on facebook uh and um click going to their live uh event and uh they will um Send you all this information. You can go to their website, which is strangercomics.com. Um, but they um, have Niobe is their um, kind of like main title character and um, it was co-written. The original Niobe was co-written by Amandala Stenberg who played Rue in Hunger Games. Uh, so, uh, and the the whole entire character is kind of modeled after her. If you look at the artwork, it, it looks like her when she was a younger girl. Um, but Stranger Comics is just such an amazing company, uh, publishing company. And they um, definitely have great leadership in their um, in their company. And I hope that you check out their live online convention on May 28th, uh, which is for Tales of Asunda, number one, Niobe.
2: Awesome. That sounds really, really kind of amazing. And you know what? I still regret not going to the Niobe uh, event at Heidi Hall Comics all those years ago. Uh, the actress yeah, that was, was there, free right? booze. Oh,
1: and free boost!
2: Look at that. I remember I totally that one. Really
0: missed it was out. fun.
2: That sucks. <laughs> anyway, now it's online and I can possibly participate. So I don't have yes. any excuses. <laughs> All right, guys, now it's time for Saludos. And Saludos goes out today, Kristen.
1: Saludos is a long list of a lot of freaking talented people that we know and that we um, want to give complete props and accolades to because they freaking deserve it. I'm going to start off with Henry Henry Barajas. Henry Barajas. Um, (laughs) Yes, Henry Barajas, who is the writer of um, Vos de Mayo, Data Rambo, Helm Grey Castle. Uh, What else has he done? Is, it, is I think he's... He recently said that he did like a Batman comic. Well, that's what, what I'm talking about today. Oh. Yes. Oops. He has been tapped to write Batman Urban Legends number 18. That's a big freaking deal. It is. To write a Batman comic for DC Comics. Congratulations, Henry. Please don't forget us. We knew you when we fucking made a lot for you. <laughs> And we're going to call back on that every every single time. And we had a birthday cake because he did oh, the event right. when he,
2: on his birthday. That's yeah. right. And <laughs> we did a beer share. We did a lot. Okay,
1: yeah, do forget so- us. We've done a lot.
0: We've supported you, Henry. Remember <laughs> this.
1: Us, Henry. We love <laughs> you. So this book is going to be coming out August 9th. And I jumped on that immediately when I saw it. And I invited him to come sign at Heidi Ho Comics on August 10th, which is the very next Wednesday. And so he will be at Heidi Ho Comics on August 10th, signing Batman Urban Legends number 18. Congratulations, Henry. Uh, now, if there is any proof that we know our shit and that we read good stuff, this next list is it. The Eisner Award nominees for 2020 were released this last week, and there were a few of creators and um, books that we've actually reviewed on our very own podcast. So congratulations goes out to Dave Baker and Nicole Goh for Everyone is Tulip being nominated for Best Digital Comic. Uh, congratulations also goes out to David Bowles and Raul Third for Clockwork Curandera being nominated hey! for Best Publisher- Publication for Teens, Black Panther Party, uh, David F. Walker being yes. nominated for Best Reality-Based Work, Yes. More Olympus by Rachel Smythe being nominated for Best Webcomic, and Best Comic-Related Periodical and Journalism Fan-Based Press. That's hey, right. Hey, hey, we, we know are our shit. In the no guys.
0: <laughs> Look. We have our,
2: saying, our fingers
0: on the pulse. That's right. Our fingers on the pulse and we have taste.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> but oh my god, that is so amazing. Oh my I'm so happy for all the nominees. They are well deserved. They're the books have been amazing and we have reviewed the books and we are really Always been like a part of the fan base press family. So we're like, we're we're on it. We know we know our stuff. It's cool.
1: <laughs> and you can find out um all the rest of the nominees for 2022 at comic con.org. Uh and um I remember the one year that we went, it was so cool. And we were there when Quince was nominated, and the darn uh presenter kept saying quince, and we were yelling from the back, Quince! Quince! <laughs> I definitely, given all of these people that we know that have been nominated, I definitely want to make it a priority to go this year.
2: Awesome. That is so awesome. I love Saludos.
1: One of the things I didn't mention is, for those of you that don't know, the Eisner Awards is literally like the Academy Awards for comic books. So it's a big freaking deal to be nominated by the Eisners.
2: Absolutely. Most definitely. If you guys don't know now, you know. Excellent. All right, guys. This brings us to the end of the episode. Where can they find us, girls?
1: You can find us at commoditycomics.com where you can um, get all the links to all of our social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on the TikTok. We're on Snapchat. We're on... Wait, I already said Instagram. (laughs) I think that's it. We're Uh, a little buzzed. (laughs) Oh, and YouTube. You can watch our in-person interviews with creators on our YouTube channel and don't forget to like and subscribe. You can always email us at comadresycomics at gmail.com
0: with your cheese with books, uh recommendations and stuff like that. Or for creators, if they're like, hey, I wrote this book, like please check it out. Uh we will add you to our list of ongoing stuff that we need to review. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a um, list. Yeah, it's a list. <laughs> Depending on how pushy you are, it depends. It's yeah. true. <laughs> the
1: pushy people get the get get stuff done. Yeah
2: yes definitely and as you guys all know on all uh, most all streaming platforms you can listen to our episodes uh, please remember that the audio does get better if you start from the beginning thank you so much for listening we're so appreciative of all of you guys thank you so much we have been your hosts I'm Sarah
0: I'm Kristen and I'm Jen bye guys
1: bye bye